Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 17 Emma regarded Baz a moment longer, then turned her glare upon Boost and Marst. Why did you bring him here? Boost and Marst simultaneously flinched back from Emma, as if her words burned. Marst shuffled to the side, putting Boost in front of him, a futile effort to hide his bulbous figure from Emma. Boost turned to him, but then seemed to think better of berating his companion in front of the present company. He turned back, offering Emma a sheepish smile. When her expression didn't soften, he winced and quickly reached into a cloth sack he'd carried off the boat. He was wearing this, my lady. Boost held out Baz's hat. Emma stared at it a moment, then shut her eyes and began rubbing at her temples with the thumb and middle finger of one hand, releasing an exasperated sigh. You idiots! But my lady, Marst said, still attempting to hide behind Boost. You said! I know what I said! Emma snapped, snatching Baz's hat out of Boost's outstretched hand. Maybe I could, Baz began to say. And who is this? Emma spoke right over him turning to Liana. Without waiting for a response, Emma strode right up to Liana, regarding her with wintry eyes. Liana returned Emma's appraisal with an icy stare of her own. For several long moments, they just stood there, noses close to touching, threatening an early frost. Everyone else present had the good sense to keep quiet, and Baz noticed that even some of the papermakers had stopped to observe the scene. I'm a conservator, Liana finally said, and I would appreciate it if someone would start showing me some proper respect. From what little Baz knew of Emma's upbringing, he expected her to have a harsh reply for Liana, maybe even draw the knife at her belt. Instead, she glanced down at the sigil stitched on Liana's riding cloak, then took a step back and dropped to one knee, bowing her head. My humblest apologies, Madam Conservator. Emma said. I'm Millmaster Emma, the conservatory's servant. Millmaster, Baz said before he could stop himself. But it was just ridiculous. Emma certainly didn't work for the conservators, did she? Both Emma and Liana glared Baz. This is conservatory business, Bastion, Liana said. Let me handle it. You shouldn't even be here. Master Restorer Brennaton would be tearing pages if he knew a speaker had been admitted into the mill. Fine, fine, Baz said, raising his hands, though Liana's words didn't stop his quizzical look in Emma's direction. She was ignoring him with such gusto he knew she had to be fighting the urge to say something to him. You must believe me, Madam Conservator, Emma said, rising back to her feet and brushing dust from her knees. My men would never have treated you so if they'd known who you were. 
She glared at Boost and Marst. Marst continued to cower behind Boost, while Boost made a visible effort to stand up straighter beneath Emma's scrutiny, though he failed to keep the discomfort from his face. I can only presume, Emma went on, that when they saw the spells being cast out by Paper Fairy, they took you for Cityless. Even from this distance, a giant dragon made of water is difficult to miss. Cityless, Liana said. You thought Cityless were tossing about that sort of power? Emma did a fair job of looking surprised, though Baz noted the brief scowl of exasperation that tugged at her lips. Yes, Emma was definitely trying her best to put on a show for Liana. But why? Haven't you heard the stories, Madam Conservator? Emma asked. Cityless cusses who can read and speak? Liana scowled, but her eyes showed recognition. Just before Baz had left for the trials, a group of conservators had captured a Cityless on the shores of the shallows who could apparently read. They'd tortured him for information, though he'd died before revealing anything of much use. I'd no idea it was so widespread, Liana said. Emma grimaced, as if she'd said something she wished she hadn't, though Liana only nodded, apparently taking Emma's expression as discomfort over the thought of cityless reading. It's just awful, Emma said, quickly recovering. My men have instructions to apprehend any cityless who wander too close to the shore. Well, they're not very good at their jobs, Liana sniffed. Emma crossed her arms opened her mouth, then seemed to think better of whatever she'd been about to say. Without unfolding her arms, her lips formed into a smile with a distinctly sour turn. Well, if the conservatory could spare a few enforcers, I'm certain we would put them to good use, Madam Conservator. Don't take that tone with me, Liana snapped. You don't need to be an enforcer to identify a pair of readers and a conservator. Liana's eyes narrowed. How long have you been running the mill? I can't imagine Master Restorer Brennerton installing such an incompetent leadership. Emma's lips pursed, though she quickly seemed to realize she was overstepping the bounds of this fabricated character she was playing, and gave Liana a nod of acquiescence. I apologize, Madam Conservator. Perhaps my men were a bit overzealous in their duties. Overzealous? That doesn't even begin to describe it. You sent two of your men to their deaths. Emma's face paled. She turned to Marst and Boost. Where are Max and Charm? Marst's eyes dropped to his boots. Boost looked around as if expecting someone else to respond before settling a glare on Marst. Marst half looked up and shrugged, but gave no indication of speaking. Boost swallowed, then looked back to Emma, lips in a grim line. They didn't make it back, my lady. Charm might still be alive, but I saw Max. He... Boost trailed off, shaking his head. Liana scoffed. He tried to stand up to a harbor is what he did. The biggest one I've ever seen at that. You can be sure that will be in my report when I return to Erstwhile. Can't have someone leading the mill who permits subordinates to act such fools. Now, you'll release us immediately and take us back to shore and we'll be needing horses to catch up with our companions. Emma grimaced, face whiter than a conservator's robe. 
She shut her eyes and took several steadying breaths before looking back to Liana. I'm afraid that's impossible, Madam Conservator. The ship will have already turned back to Paper Ferry. It won't return until at least midday tomorrow. Liana's scowl deepened. Fine. We'll just have to push our horses extra hard, then. We don't have any horses, Madam Conservator. The Conservatory has never deemed it necessary to supply us with any. Liana began to open her mouth to berate Emma further. Liana, Bass cut in, you think maybe we could give her a bit of a break? You just told her two of her friends or subordinates died, after all, and what do you want her to do? Summon horses out of the elsewhere? Immediately, Baz wished he hadn't spoken as Liana turned her scowl in his direction. You don't know what you're talking about, Bastion. This is a holy place, and this illet defiles it with her ineptitude. She deserves every bit of criticism she's received. Baz held up his hands in front of his chest, leaning away from Liana. What had gotten into her? First, the silent treatment over his completely justified surprise at her being selected to represent the conservatory at the Congress, and now this? Anger at the merest suggestion of a little compassion? Emma cleared her throat, blessedly taking Liana's glare off him. There may be something we can do to get you to fortune, maybe even faster than you would have arrived otherwise. I don't see how that's possible, Liana said. I'll show you. But first, might I have someone check your eye? Emma motioned to the bruise that had only grown since Boost had given it to her on the boat. And a quick meal? Certainly you're hungry. Liana brushed her fingertips over the bruise and winced. I could certainly use something to eat, Baz offered before Liana had a chance to decline. Wonderful, Emma said. Lance! Emma motioned to one of the guards who had escorted them from the ferry. Please have Diane look at the Madame Conservator and get her something to eat. I'll see to your servant, Madame Conservator. Emma motioned at Baz. Liana's face softened at that, and she smiled at Baz, mouthing servant to him with raised eyebrows. Great, just great. She wouldn't let him forget that. After the guard had led Liana away, Emma motioned for Baz to join her at an unoccupied table, away from the paper workers. "'What is going on here, Emma?' Baz asked before they reached the table. "'Liana will kill you if she finds out who you really are.' Emma's eyes grew nearly as hard as Liana's had been, and for the second time in the past minute, Baz found himself cowering away from a woman's ire. "'I'd like to see her try.' Baz resolved not to push that line of conversation any farther. Based on how it felt to be subject to their glares, Baz would likely end up dead in the process if Emma and Liana ever came to blows. Well, what are you doing here? I'm a grown woman, Baz. I go where I please. My name's Bastion. You let rocks call you Baz. That was a mistake, he muttered, running a hand over the prickles of his shaved scalp before shaking his head. But my name's beside the point. Last time I saw you, it didn't look like you went wherever you pleased. It looked like you went wherever your mother pleased. Not anymore. I left shortly after you. Now I'm searching for the transcendence, just like you're supposed to be. Tessa made you a seeker? Shh. 
She held up a finger to her lips and looked around, as if afraid someone might have heard what he'd just said. Her eyes almost appeared... frantic? Not exactly. I sort of just... left. But everyone here thinks I'm a seeker, and they do know I'm the Madame Scrivener's daughter. That's why they put me in charge. Baz opened his mouth, but closed it again. He could put the puzzle together for himself, remembering the look in Emma's eyes when he told her of the task her mother had set for him, that Tessa had known that Declaimer's transcendence was in Liamina Library in Fortune, yet had never told Emma. Tessa's life work, and by blood relation Emma's own, and yet Tessa had never told her. All right, he said slowly. You're looking for the transcendence, but what are you doing here? Aren't you worried someone will, you know, notice all the cityless or keepers just hanging out here? Emma shook her head. We have to get our paper for the equities from somewhere, and we can't very well do it out in the open on the Weeping Plains as our ancestors did. Besides, just about everyone who works here is a supporter of the keepers. It took Mother years to get enough of our people employed by the conservators that we could use this as a base. Suddenly, it seemed so obvious to Baz. All the cityless raids the readers complain of, Baz said, they're not all originating from Tome, are they? Emma grinned. Mostly our doing. She held up a finger and circled it around to indicate their surroundings. The conservators only think there's about a quarter as many people working here as there are, so we're constantly in need of supplies. But... Don't the conservators notice all the extra bodies hanging about when they come here? You think we just hang about when pilgrimages come? Emma rolled her eyes. How did you manage to live through the trials being so thick? We hide when conservators come. Down below. She spoke those last words with an air of mystery. Down below? You'll see soon enough, Emma said. All right, Baz said, glowering. He didn't like surprises. You could plan for what you knew. It was what you didn't know that was likely to stop your breathing. Well, how are you going to explain it to Liana if she asks about all the people here? Immediately, Baz wished he could reach out and stuff the question back down his throat. Emma's lips settled to a thin line. That is a problem, she said. I also shouldn't have put in her mind that cityless who know how to read are so widespread. She bit down on her lower lip and for a moment looked much younger, a little girl lost in the woods. Well, if you could survive Marla Colmar's attack on Undertome, Baz said, trying to smile, you'll handle this just fine too, I'm sure. If anything, his words seemed to upset Emma further. I only survived that because of you, Baz. Her tone was too somber for him to correct what she'd called him, and Baz found himself searching for something that might raise her spirits. But only one thing came to mind, and he really didn't want to say it. Keep your mouth shut, Baz. Keep your mouth shut. He bit his own lower lip in an effort to keep his thoughts from turning into anything other than a foolish idea. Emma just stared down at the table between them, wrapping the knuckles of one hand against it in a random rhythm. 
torn pages. He just couldn't stop himself. Why? Why couldn't he just learn to keep his mouth shut? Too much time spent around Deliritus, probably. Mouth always flapping away. Maybe I could help you again. I doubt it, she said. Try me. She looked up from the tabletop, eyes glistening. Her cheeks reddened, then she glared at him as if he'd done something wrong. Gah, he'd never understand women. How about you start with telling me what you were doing trying to kidnap a reader? Emma glared at him a moment longer, then chuckled ruefully. What are the chances that I tell my men to capture the one wearing a hat, and it turns out you just happen to be strolling by? She'd been holding Bez's hat ever since she'd snatched it from Boost and handed it back to him now. Baz turned the hat over in his hands a few times before settling it back onto his head. He still hadn't grown completely accustomed to having it back yet, and it felt odd to have something covering his scalp. But odd in a good way. He gave the brim a tug, raising his eyebrows expectantly at Emma. I was going to kidnap a reader and use him to get into fortune, maybe even into Liamina Library itself. Max was an influencer, a good one too. He'd have been able to get the reader to do what we needed. She wrapped her knuckles on the tabletop a few more times, taking a deep breath. Was it Rox the conservator was talking about? The biggest harbor she's ever seen? Yeah, Baz said. Emma did a fair job of keeping her face dispassionate, but she couldn't completely hide the dismay in her eyes. She'd seen up close what Rox could do with his razor. Max wasn't my friend, and he knew the risks. It'd been his plan as much as mine. It would have worked, too, but now... She trailed off, her face slowly solidified into a fair impression of a block of granite. Implacable, eyes like daggers. What am I doing? she snapped. I don't need to explain myself to you. What are you doing here, Baz? And why are you traveling around with a conservator? He ground his teeth at being called Baz a third time, but now that he'd let her call him that without reprisal once, it somehow felt wrong to complain of it again. Liana's the conservator assigned to my library back in erstwhile. Does she know about you? You call me thick, then ask a question like that? You saw how she talks to you. She'd be turning me into the Master Restorers before I finished saying read. Emma pursed her lips. It's so despicable what they do to you. Don't be so quick to judge, Baz said not entirely certain why he felt the sudden need to defend Liana. She's just a product of her environment, like all of us are. You like her? Whoa, whoa, Baz said, holding up his hands. Like is a very complicated word. We tolerate each other, sure. As far as people I regularly spend time with, she treats me pretty well. Emma studied him for an uncomfortable length of time, of everything he'd said thus far, why did it look like that comment had angered her most of all? He was pretty sure he hadn't squirmed so much since he'd looked down the throat of a fire-breather, expecting to imminently be rendered a carbon stain on the cobbles. You didn't answer my original question, 
she finally said. It was a compound question, not fair. What are you doing here, Baz? Funny enough, he said, same as you, on my way to fortune. That scored at least a tiny crack in Emma's stony expression, her eyebrows rising. Oh, you mean you actually intend to carry out your promise to my mother? Baz felt his face flush, partly at her implication that she hadn't believed he'd carry out his promise, and partly because he hadn't exactly gotten up willingly and headed to fortune. I keep my promises, Baz said, but as I'm sure you can imagine, it isn't easy for a speaker to just up and leave. We can't all be so lucky. He made a sarcastic face at Emma, expecting a glare in return. That's what Liana would have done. Instead, Emma surprised him by sticking her tongue out at him. Immediately, she seemed to realize that was nowhere near the reaction the leader of a bunch of keepers ought to have. She colored and did her best to look stern, but unlike her earlier glares, this one inspired a smile from Baz. My reader was tapped to participate in the Triumvirate Congress, Baz said, and I was dragged along. I figured I'd have a go at looking for the transcendence while I was there. That can't be right, Emma said. The Congress isn't due to meet for months. You haven't heard the news? Emma shook her head. We don't exactly have much contact with the outside world here. I guess not, Baz said. He told her about the uprising at Galfet Library, Farston's appearance at erstwhile, and the special session of the Congress that had been called. It's beginning, Emma said once he'd finished. Mother always said that when we were close to finding the transcendence, the people would know innately. They can sense their freedom on the horizon. I wondered why the Iron Dragon had returned so early. It must have been to bring news of this. Iron Dragon? Emma waved Baz's question away. You'll see when we go down below. I just can't believe it. Even my mother didn't think we'd live to see this. She sounded so... hopeful. Baz wished he was capable of such optimism, but what Emma had said sounded like a whole lot of mystical hoo-ha to him, though he kept the opinion to himself. Besides, Emma seemed to pop her own bubble of fantastical musings a moment later her face dropping. But that's no good. Readers feeling threatened? A special session of the Congress? The city will be on high alert, the indomitable army patrolling the streets. Ah, nothing's going right. Maeve won't be pleased at all. Who's Maeve? Emma once more waved his question away. You'll meet her. She should be here any time now. Not that it matters. Even all those things I just mentioned aside, my plans are ruined anyway. I've nothing for Maeve now, and to top it off, now I've got a conservator that needs silencing. What? Emma tilted her head in exasperation. You just said it yourself a minute ago, Baz. I can't have this Liana woman going back to her fellow conservators and repeating what she saw here. What else do you expect me to do? I... I don't know, Baz stammered, but certainly not sentence her. He tried to meet Emma's stare, but it seemed she'd inherited her glare from her mother, and Baz found himself incapable of matching it. You're on our side now, Baz, she said in a quiet tone that made Baz shiver. 
you'll need to start accepting that when fighting a force that does detestable things, sometimes... She pursed her lips as if swallowing a bitter drought. Sometimes you have to do distasteful things as well to fight back. Tax really would like you and your mother, Baz muttered, mind jumping to the snake's plan to poison erstwhile's water supply. What? Never mind. What I mean to say is, I won't stand for it, and... He raised a hand, forestalling further protest. Even if you do insist on being so cold, killing her would be even more likely to draw the conservatory's gaze here. What do you mean? Emma asked, eyes narrowing. Thurston undoubtedly saw what happened. You think he'll just return to fortune and not tell anyone about being attacked on the shores of the Shallows? He'll be sending a small army out here as soon as he can. You want to be in a position where you have to explain what you're doing here to the indomitable army? We've hidden our operations from the conservators for this long. What's another inspection? Despite her confident words, though, Emma's eyes didn't look nearly as certain as they had moments before. Come on, Emma. We both know the indomitable army is on another level entirely from the conservatory. Most conservators just want to say their prayers and illuminate their manuscripts. A captain from the indomitable army is likely to order you drawn and quartered for looking at him funny. Emma grimaced. Well, if you know so much, what do you say we do? Let Liana go free, and let her tell everyone in fortune what she saw here? What has she seen here? It's no secret fable still makes paper for the conservatories of oration. She's never been here before. She doesn't know what a reasonable number of workers is. If you don't give her any more reason to be suspicious of you, in all likelihood she'll return to the conservatory complaining of your incompetence in capturing her, but nothing more. Then you have a plausible explanation for everything, and there's no reason for Farston to send an inquest. Emma scowled, opened her mouth to speak, then shut it and scowled with greater intensity. Fine. We'll see what Maeve thinks of that. Just who is this Maeve? Baz demanded. Another seeker? Emma gave Baz a grim smile. You'll see. Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome back to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is uh, November 6th, twenty. 22 as I record this, which is episode number 16 of season 2 of the podcast and number 43 uh, overall. Thanks for tuning in again this week and hope you enjoyed Baz's uh, reacquaintance there with, uh, with Emma. Certainly some, uh, some interesting machinations seem to be going on here as Baz gets sucked deeper into this underground rebellion in oration. Um, so next week, we will be reading chapters 18 and 19 of Declaimer's Discovery. We'll see just exactly what is down below. Uh, we saw Emma refer to that a few times in chapter 17. We'll see what's down there. They are making something down there. What do you think uh, that could be. Um, we're also going to find out uh, what Emma's plan is to get Baz and Liana to fortune uh, 
faster <laughs> than they could by riding horses. Uh, so, uh, what do you think is what do you think is down there that they can uh, they can use to get to fortune? Um, and we will uh, will we find out who Mave is? We might not find out who Mave is yet. That might be the following week. Uh, just to give you a little outline of the next few episodes here. Like I said, next week we'll read chapters 18 and 19 of the Claimer's Discovery. Uh, the following week we'll do chapters 20 and 21, and then the week after that, which is, is that the Thanksgiving weekend? Mm. Let me pull up my calendar here. Uh, mm. uh, yes, or, well, the Monday after Thanksgiving. That will be an analysis episode of Geez, it's been a while. I think chapters 15 through 21. Uh, so that'll uh, take us through to the end of November. So you have all of that to look forward to here. Um, the quick personal update on my end. Um, National Novel Writing Month is officially underway. That happens in November every year. Uh, National Novel Writing Month, uh, more commonly called NaNoWriMo. It's a not-for-profit organization that uh, they run this event every November. Like I said, it encourages writers, both you know, first-time novelists and uh, many-time novelists, to uh, get their first draft of their novel written in a single month, or at least a good chunk of it. So the goal is to write fifty thousand words over the course of the month, which comes out to you know between sixteen and seventeen hundred words per day. Uh, you know, they have a nice dashboard um, that you can log into and keep track of your word count each day, and you earn little virtual badges as you go, and it gives you statistics and stuff, and then they hold lots of online events, you know, uh, uh, you know, webinars from other authors, and also just, like, write-ins where you can, I guess, sit in a, you know, like a virtual virtual room with a lot of other people and, you know, do writing sprints and, and stuff like that. And uh, throughout the course of the year, outside of November, they... They host a number of other events. Uh, I think they have several that specifically focus on, you know, encouraging uh, uh, younger people to write. So, you know, they're really a great organization uh, overall. Um, so, uh, of course, during November, they also are, that's one of their big uh, donation drives as well. While well, NaNoWriMo is going on, you can go to uh, store.nanorimo.org slash collections slash donate to make your donation. I will leave a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, that's not an affiliate link or anything. I don't get anything if you make a donation. Uh, just trying to help support a worthy cause here. Um, and as I'm pretty sure I've mentioned already, but I am I am participating, obviously. I am working on Into the Dragon's Maw, which is uh, the title I have settled on for part five of the Spoken Books Uprising. Uh, uh, my streak is alive here so far. Um, as of today, day six of NaNoWriMo, I have exceeded my word count goal each day, and I'm at uh, 11,554 words out of 50,000. So I am uh, on pace here. In fact, probably a little beyond pace. Let's see, I think my... Yeah, so I am on pace to finish on November 26th, which is just uh, a Saturday after Thanksgiving. So hopefully I'll uh, get a few extra words in here and finish before Thanksgiving. But uh, but that's good. Let's see, what I'm averaging 1,925 words per day and 27 words per minute. It's kind of cool that it keeps track of those stats uh, for you. <coughs> 
there. Um, it's been a little challenging for me the past few days. My day job has actually been really busy the past few days. But um, so I think I, I responded to responded to a tweet earlier in the week. You know, religiously protecting your writing time and uh, just getting the button to the chair. That is like three quarters of the battle. <laughs> Uh, right there. I'm not uh, certainly not saying that it's that it's easy, but you just you know you, you sticking to that schedule is so much of the of the struggle uh, when it comes to writing and you know sticking to it day in and day out. Writing is certainly a uh, a long haul endeavor. Um, you know, still even you know I you know I'm pleased where I'm at right now, but you know I'm certainly nowhere close to uh, <laughs> making a full time living off of off of just my writing, and it'd be easy to get discouraged uh, about that, considering, you know, how many, how many, uh, you know, probably hundreds or, you know, at this point, probably even thousands of hours I have, uh, I have put into this, but, uh, you know, I just, I know I just need to keep chugging along, especially when you're self-published, you really need a lot of books out there uh, in the world before you can really, uh, you know, start making a serious uh, impact, so, um, I am just going to keep plugging away here. I'll be churning out more parts of the Spoken Books Uprising uh, through the end of this year and into next year. I hope to be at least uh, finished with Part 7 by this time next year. We shall shall see. Uh, And, of course, course I'll be carrying on with the podcast here um, as well. So uh, thanks to all of you out there who are listening and uh, supporting the show. And... uh, if you would like to do a little extra to support the show, you can uh, consider heading over to patreon.com slash dtkane and uh, joining one of my membership tiers over there. And among other things, all of the membership tiers come with a, you get a free copy of all of my current ebooks, and then I will send you copies of new ones as they come out. So basically it's like a subscription to all of my books. Um, the mid-tier seems to be the most popular so far. That's $9.99 a month, and in addition to all the ebooks, you get uh, uh, all of my print books as well. I mail those to you as they come out. Um, and I am planning to have a patrons-only podcast episode once a month. Uh, I am still working on that. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, current patrons, but uh, I should have the first episode of that out before the end of the year, and then I'll be trying to consistently put one out uh, one month. Uh, at a time, and then there's some other benefits as well. So Patreon.com/dtkane. Uh, all right, so back to fantasy quote of the week this week. I know I didn't have one last week since I took a quick hiatus from the newsletter, but uh, we have one again here this week from uh, this one is from Paul Jackson Bennett, uh, his book City of Miracles, which uh, I've not actually read. Uh, Mr. Bennett yet, but um, his stories look very interesting, so I think I'm going to try him out here soon. Uh, This week's quote was submitted by Chris, um, who is a a newsletter reader. So, Chris, thank you for participating in the newsletter. Uh, I really appreciate it, and uh, if you would like to have a quote uh, featured in a future installment of Fantasy Quote of the Week, just email me, dtkane at dtkane.com. All right, here is this week's quote. <clears throat> My definition of an adult is someone who lives their life aware they are sharing the world with others. 
my definition of an adult is someone who knows the world was here before they showed up, and that it'll be here well after they walk away from it. My definition of an adult, in other words, is someone who lives their life with a little perspective. That is Paul Jackson Bennett, City of Miracles. Um, here's my little quote, or little essay here to go along with it. <clears throat> The 17th century French inventor and physicist Blaise Pascal once wrote, All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. I think there's a lot of truth to that, but Bennett might nail the issue even better than Pascal did. So often, we only think of ourselves. Now, that may sound like an insult akin to being called selfish, Generally speaking, I don't think it's a bad thing. We often think too much of others, and we suffer for it. At the end of the day, we have to live with yourself. You have to live with yourself. At the end of the day, you have to live with yourself. And if you're not happy, you certainly can't hope to make others happy. So go ahead, think of yourself. That said, how much better of a place would the world be if we all considered others just a little more often? I'm talking tiny fractions here. Like, what if every person in the world tomorrow was 1% more considerate of others? Where would that leave us? Well, there'd be fewer doors slammed in faces, a drop in arguments, less crime. Perhaps what Pascal was really getting at was... If we were all more comfortable sitting alone in a room, we'd have more time to think, and then we'd quickly realize how our actions negatively impact others and correct accordingly. The world ought to try it. It could use a new perspective. All right, uh, let me know what you thought of this week's quote and essay, dtkane at dtkane.com. Uh, uh, and that is all for this week. Um, if you're a subscriber to the newsletter, hope you enjoyed my photos from my trip to Chicago. Um, and we'll be back, uh, as always, with uh, an episode next week. Again, reading chapters 18 and 19 of The Claimer's Discovery. So until then, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. DT Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.